Hey, ha, how you doing, people? It is your boy, JC, and thank you for tuning in to Feel Free to Disagree. Today, we got a lot on our plate. We're going to talk about um, the old Eric Garner um, shooting from back in the day because the officer, Daniel Pantaleo, uh, was recently fired because of that. Then we're going to talk about Ilhan Omar and Risha Tlaib being barred entry into Israel. But, I mean, the kind of deserve it, let's be honest. And then, if time allows, I'll explain how the New York Times has already explained their vision for the next two years of news coverage. Yeah, apparently they have a vision. They can't just report the news, but they're going to have a vision so they know exactly how they're going to narrate every story to, you know, play toward um, the story that they want people to read and not the actual story. So, yeah, let's get into it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not. What your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. As people say, there's three sides to every story. There's this person's side, that person's side, and then there's the truth. Here on Feel Free to Disagree, we try to give you the truth. But as always, feel free to disagree. So without further ado, let's get right into it. But before we do, we must listen to the good Phil clip of the week. And this week, I'm sure most of you have already heard this. This is Panini from Lil Nas X. Hey Panini, don't you be a meanie. Thought you wanted me to go. Why you tryna keep me teeny? I it's a dreamy, wished it on a genie. I got fans finally, and you wanted them to see me. I I thought you want this for my life, for my life. Said you wanted to see me thrive. You lied, just said to me. The reason I chose this clip as the good fill clip of the week is because Lil Nas is a great story and just another shining example of why America is so great. Um, I don't remember the details and I'm not going to try to remember them, but for the most part, Lil Nas's ex's story starts off something like this. He is young. I don't know how old he is. I want to say he's close to 20. He might be younger than that. He was staying on his sister or his cousin, some family member's couch because he couldn't afford to go anywhere else, and he was recording music on his laptop. So basically like what most people would probably think of as a bum, but apparently he's really good at what he does, and he came out with that hit song, um, I'm gonna take my horse to the old town road, I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that, that song, Jams, um, he bought, uh, fun fact, he actually bought the beat for that song, Old Town Road, um, for like 20-something cents, or it was like less than a dollar. So he bought that beat for uh, less than a dollar and turned it into, um, I don't know how much he made. Last time I heard it was getting up to close to a million just from that one song. So, um, and then Panini is just a shining example of showing how someone who finally gets, um, that shot because of one, because of Old Town Road, he got that shot and then he was able to, 
um, have a bunch of um, investors, I'm sure, you know, because this is a free market system in America, throw a bunch of money at him and be like, this kid's going to be huge. We're going to make a new song for him. Um, and maybe he wrote Panini. <laughs> maybe he didn't. But, uh, yeah, and that Panini's a huge hit. And, and that song goes hard. Come on, I like everything. Just say to me what you want from me. Hey, Panini, why are you such a meanie? That song goes hard. Come on, guys. Um, but, yeah, so let's move on. Let's talk about Officer Daniel Pentaleo, who was recently laid off after five years of investigation and basically just a bunch of political BS after the Eric Garner death. So Officer Pantaleo was 29 at the time of Garner's death. And those of you who don't remember it, but I'm sure most of you do, this was occurred in New York, and uh, Eric Garner was selling loose-leaf cigarettes, um, so untaxed cigarettes that he made on his own because, you know, Democrat policies in uh, New York, I'm sure cigarettes are about triple what they uh, are in other places because of the high taxes. But this guy was trying to sell um, some tax-free cigarettes, and apparently he had been arrested for this same offense multiple times. And anyway, <clears throat> what happened is the uh, officer Daniel Pantaleo and I think there was about three others were trying to subdue him um, to arrest him for this that he'd already been arrested for the same offense that he'd been arrested for multiple times and he was not complying and I mean it's debatable if you watch the video but he actually does say and admit nah I'm done with you guys this you've arrested me like too many times something I'm paraphrasing of course something along the lines of no not this time you guys keep harassing me I'm done um, but, I mean, he was committing the same offense. So, like, if you're enforcing the law, they would need to arrest him. And just because he's sick of getting arrested for the same offense, I mean, you should not be doing that. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Officer Pantaleo threw him to the ground um, using his neck. Um, he had him in a type of chokehold. And one thing that I don't agree with that Officer um, Pantaleo said in his disciplinary hearing um, or trial, he didn't have actual um, criminal trial because he didn't um, do anything that rose to the level of criminality um, as far as police officers' actions go. But he did say in the disciplinary trial that he did not put him and Eric Garner in a chokehold. But I disagree because, I mean, what else would you call that? And the judge um, at the disciplinary trial actually even said that. I was like, no, I don't agree with you. That's a chokehold. You're literally denying it. It's on video. It's right there. Um, but the reason Eric Garner died is because he had he was a you know 300-ish pound guy, huge guy. And uh, he was put in a chokehold. He had asthma. So the choke hold was only around 10 to 15 seconds. It was not long, but it was enough to trigger an asthma attack. And then he was telling them he couldn't breathe, and uh, he held on for a couple more seconds. And then and he ended up triggering an asthma attack that um, basically caused the heart attack. I don't know the exact scientific explanation for his death, but that is what is um, reported in the news, and that is what I wanted to talk about. So... It was, it's, it's a horrible thing anytime someone is killed, especially when they're being subdued by um, law enforcement. It's not, it's not a great thing, and I don't like it. And I, I, I'm one of those people that, who knows, like, there is a lot of bad cops out there. Um, I think there's m definitely more good ones than bad ones, but there are definitely cops that use way too much force, and they're just itching at the chance to just throw someone to the ground by their neck because they're not complying. You know, they love, that. quit resisting, quit resisting. Uh, <laughs> there's plenty of cops like that. But I'm not willing to paint an entire um, group of people like police officers who are, a lot of them really are heroes that risk their lives every day. I know 
and it's so hard. It's so easy for us to sit here and judge, you know, something that happened and watch on video and analyze it. But it's so hard for a police officer to make a split second decision and try to enforce the law, do the right thing, follow the law and not get completely um, destroyed by the media, which unfortunately, if the officer's white and the victim is black, it's going to be all over the news. So I'm going to talk about a couple other of the big um, police cases like uh, Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown in a minute and just explain why these cases, which basically triggered the Black Lives Matter movement, were all perpetrated based on a lie because these cases are not um, ill-found and these cases, the, the killings um, were justified. And that's what the law found. And I'm not saying that means every police case where a um, white officer kills a black um, male or black anyone does not mean it's okay. But that um, I'm just explaining that these are the main cases that the Black Lives Matter movement decided to use to really bolster their movement. And they're based on a lie because they're just not true. So um, further on Eric Garner's death, he... Um, so, so Eric Garner was killed, and this is this is actually one of the later ones. This was after Trayvon Martin, and I think it was after Michael Brown as well. But they, the media, just use Eric Garner as another shining example of why all police are racist and are always oppressing black people in America. This is false. I'm gonna explain why it's false. I'm gonna go through some statistics now. Please stay awake. Don't get bored and go to sleep, but these statistics are very important because it just shows that the Black Lives Matter movement and the cases that they've used, the Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin, Eric Garner, etc., are not true. So at least use, if they're going to use the angel moms, you know, the moms of these victims, use angel moms who of people who actually were unjustly or wrongly killed. Um, because there is cases, there's that South Carolina cop shooting that that guy was that was 100% bad, and I don't know why the media didn't focus on that one because that one was um, the guy was literally not even facing the cop and was had his hands up on his head and just got shot in the back like multiple times, if I'm remembering that correctly, and it was completely um, not necessary. But and that that cop was punished, and I believe he is going to serve some time for for that as he should. So. And I'm going to read off some statistics. So this is from the New York Post. So in 2015, and I believe they got their statistics from the FBI. That's what the article said, at least. In 2015, so this is 2015, mind you, this is when the Black Lives Matter movement really started to pick up steam, 990 people were shot by the police, the vast majority of which were armed or violently resisting arrest. So 50% of these um, shooting victims were white, <laughs> 26% were black, which is much lower than what the black violent crime rate would suggest. Um, so basically, because the black violent crime rate is so high, you would think that more than just 26% of police shootings would be um, black people. So the and the reason the they came up with the black violent crime um, statistics by going through the 75 largest counties, and this is from 2009, which I don't like that, that they're going from 2015 to 2009. So take this with a grain of salt. But 75 largest counties in 2009, 
57% of the murder defendants, so keep in mind there may be a couple that were not guilty, but 57% of murder defendants were um, black, 45% of assault defendants were black, even though blacks only comprise around 15% of the population in these 75 largest counties. And that's from 2009, don't forget. So black violent crime, based on these statistics, black, um, black people will commit much more crime than any other race based on population size. And so these are FBI statistics, so don't call me racist for saying that. It's just a fact. And if you want to argue that the statistics are not correct, then you can make that argument and you might have some points. But the FBI, mind you, as we have seen lately, is not a right-leaning organization. They're obviously objective, technically. But, I mean, if you looked at (laughs) James Comey and the... um, the way the FBI has operated the last couple of years, they're, I would say they're pretty far left if you were to um, politicize the group and analyze it that way. So more on these statistics. Why the Black Lives Matter movement is all perpetrated based on a lie. Black people are not oppressed by the police. They have been historically. They're not now based on statistics, okay? And if you want to argue about the statistics, we can, but just listen. So in New York City, where, and this is where Eric Garner case occurred, blacks comprise 23% of the population, but commit three-fourths of all shootings, 70% of all robberies. By contrast, white commit less than 2% of shootings and 4% of robberies, but equal 34% of the population in New York. So even though whites are a lot, much larger population size in New York City, they only commit 2% and 4% of those uh, of shootings and then robberies, while blacks are only 23% of the population, but they commit three-fourths of all shootings and 70% of all robberies. Um, and in Chicago, this is from 2015, 80% of all known murder suspects, this is known murder suspects, were black and even even though blacks only comprise a little less than one-third of the population in Chicago, that's 80% when they're only when they're less than one-third of the population. Whites made up 0.9% of the, um, of the murder suspects, but and they equal one-third of the population, around one-third. So 0.9% compared to 80%. Now, these are just statistics, so take them for what they're worth, but they're... For the amount of crime that blacks commit based on these FBI statistics, black people should be shot much more um, just going with simple data um, based on averages, based on generalities. There should be much more black shooting victims by the police than white, and that's not the case. Like I explained earlier, there's more in 2015, there was more white people that were shot, and I'm sure more updated statistics would show similar trends. I mean, if you're a libtard, you're probably like, oh, well, not now, if Trump's racist, and so all the police are super racist now. Guys, that's that's complete bullcrap. It's fake, fake news, fake media, and I'll explain more why the news is fake later when I get to the New York Times story, but I gotta go because I'm taking too much time on this garnish. So I'm moving on to Michael Brown, which is really the base, this, this case really... Um, took the Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter movement from, you know, the small scale, not much movement to the giant national movement that we've seen today. So Michael Brown, this one is the biggest lie. Um, 
This is because you remember when everyone was saying, even there's NFL teams, NBA teams that were coming out with their hands up, don't shoot. That's bullcrap. That was complete um, media narrative that they tried to paint. So this is what happened. This is, and I got these these facts from PolitiFact, so a very left-leaning organization. You know, they're supposed to be the fact checkers, but we all know they're hardcore left-leaning. So um, just a little fun fact. Liz Warren recently tweeted, that's Elizabeth Warren running for president, crazy Pocahontas. Five years ago, Michael Brown was murdered, used the word murdered, by a white police officer. And then Kamala Harris similarly said, um, another tweet also using the word murder. Now, the reason this is so messed up is because they're trying to paint a narrative and murder is not the same as a killing. Yes, Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin, they were all killed by, oh, not Trayvon Martin, excuse me, but Michael Brown was, yes, killed by a white police officer. That is true, but it was, he was killed, not murdered. Murder is the unlawful killing with actual malice with no justifiable legal reason for the killing. Now, if that's a justified killing, that's a justified homicide. It's not a murder. So they're lying because the, these cases were tried and they were found not guilty. So they're literally lying to people trying to, you know, get up those votes and get up um, those emotional appeals to the African-American community and other um, minority communities because there's like saying it was murder. And it blatantly wasn't. I mean, at least Cory Booker and, um, and I think Tulsi Gabbard maybe or um, the other the white chick that no one knows about because she's um, polling at less than 0%, if that's possible. Um, <laughs> they uh, tweeted also about it, but used the word killed, which is the proper term to use because, yes, that is true. It was killed. And you can try to mislead people with that, but <laughs> it was not murdered. So boo on Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris. But I would expect nothing less from them. Now, the reason Michael Brown it was all a huge hoax is because um, I even, I was sorry, I want to say this too. My own law professor even said it during uh, one of our criminal, it's during criminal procedure, even talked about the Michael Brown case. And when she was talking about how there is serious, like racists in the police industry, um, at large and said that Michael Brown was shot in the back and all this stuff. And I was like, I actually Googled it to make sure I wasn't going to make myself look like an idiot and told her, um, no, actually Michael Brown was shot in, in the front and then sort of in the top of the head was not shot in the back. It was justified shooting. And everyone hated me in that class. But, you know, whatever. I'm not going to let people freaking lie to... Because, you know, people in law school are going to listen to the law professors because they're smart people. Some of them are a little cray-cray. I don't think they're super wise, but they're very smart. So people are going to listen to them. They're going to believe them. And that's what people do in this country, unfortunately. They just take um, people that have big degrees and say, oh, you must know what you're talking about. And true. And she obviously didn't. And she admitted. I was just like, oh, I guess I didn't know that. So Officer Will, uh, Wilson is the one who shot Michael Brown. Um, Officer Wilson was responding to a call that Michael Brown had stolen some cigarillos from a store um, at night one night. And it was either the store employee, but I think I've also read that it was the store owner, actually, that tried to stop Michael Brown from leaving with these cigarillos without paying for them. And he shoves the guy out of the way like he was nothing. Michael Brown was a very big dude. If you see the video, look up on YouTube the video of him shoving the guy out of the way. And it's not the picture that the media was posting everywhere after he was killed. The picture they were using was when he was younger and much smaller. 
And Michael Brown was not the small, cute little um, black kid that the media was um, posting everywhere. He was a very big dude and, and was obviously a thug, considering he just stole some cigarillos, probably to go roll up a blunt ski or something, and just shoved the guy out of the way. No, no respect at all. And then Officer Wilson is responding, and with he obviously has probable cause, and is stopping him on um, as Michael Brown was walking down the road, and Michael Brown. I'm going to give you the absolute objective, even left-leaning facts of the case, because some most facts um, that I've read, at least from articles, say that Michael Brown reached in and tried to grab Officer Wilson's uh, gun. But let's just say, just for the argument of the matter, he was not reaching for the gun, but witnesses and um, the forensic evidence shows that he did reach in and was like grappling with Wilson inside of his car or trying to do something. Um, and multiple eyewitnesses did say he was reaching for a gun, but others said that he wasn't, but he was grappling nonetheless. So he was grappling with the officer Wilson, um, for his gun. And then after it escalated, Brown was in, it ended up being shot at least six times subsequently. And, and then, I'm bad guys. I'm sorry. So it's in a subsequent investigation, as well as, um, witness reports, they all lead, to what Officer Wilson's explanation was, was that Brown acted very aggressively toward Wilson and um, even contrary to witnesses pre previously reported, um, you know, the earlier police reports that Brown was shot while um, seeking to surrender and had his hands in the air. Multiple eyewitnesses um, and forensic evidence show that that is not the case and Brown was not trying to surrender and was actually running toward Officer Wilson when he was shot six times. Now, I'm just going to, uh, I also want to point out that these witnesses, a lot of them were black that were there, that lived there, that were part of the community, and multiple of, multiple witnesses even like were cried on the stand because they said they were so f afraid to go home because they had been threatened by the community at large and by others to not um, testify and to at least lie about it and say that his hands were up, he was saying he was surrendering. And they didn't do it. They did the right thing, and they said what they actually saw, what actually happened. And luckily for Officer Wilson, because I, I have to say, if if there were some witnesses that were willing to lie, then and they made a good um, good showing of it, then it's very likely that he could have been prosecuted for at least manslaughter. So yeah, Michael Brown, the whole hands up, don't shoot, was all perpetrated off of a lie. It was a justified shooting. Michael Brown was not a great guy. Um, I mean, maybe he was a good guy, but not in this scenario, not in this circumstance. And everyone has their bad judgments that, you know, occur. But this, at least on this night, was very bad judgment and um, just wasn't showing good character. Trayvon Martin. Now, Trayvon Martin is a different case, and I think there's an argument to be made in Trayvon Martin's favor. But I still think um, they made the right decision in this case. But I can understand people being upset about the Trayvon Martin case. I got these facts from CNN, right? So don't tell me I'm not getting, I'm bringing, you know, some BS, super right-leaning conspiracy theory facts. These are CNN facts, so it's about as far left as you can get. Uh, Trayvon Martin was 17 years old. George Zimmerman, the person who killed him, was uh, neighbor on the Neighborhood Watch. He was the captain of the Neighborhood Watch. Oh, badass. For, uh, San in Sanford, Florida. hey -o, Florida. He called 911, um, George Zimmerman called 911 to report a suspicious person. So uh, Trayvon Martin, uh, black male walking around at night. Um, yeah, Zimmerman, super racist because he called the cops and said he's sus suspicious. Um, 
what do I think about that? Do I think it's, I think sometimes, um, maybe more than just sometimes in America, when we see a black male walking around on the streets, especially late at night, especially in a more nicer part of town, not like in the hood, um, people, it is kind of prejudiced, maybe even arguably racist to call the cops just based on them walking around. Um, unless they're breaking the law, if they're trespassing or something, that's a different story. But just because they're black or, and you think they look suspicious, I don't think that's really necessary for you to call the police. Now, if people are doing something and there's gives, there's more reason to th- think that there's something suspicious going on than just the simple fact that they're black and walking around at a weird hour, then I think you should call the police. And, I mean, there's really nothing wrong with calling the cops if... Um, if you're a neighborhood watch and someone's there late at night and you just say, hey, this person's walking around, um, if they're doing nothing wrong, then they don't have anything to worry about. As long as they comply with the police, um, that's assuming that the police officer's good. You know, you never know. It could be some a-hole cop. But in my experience and most people's experience, cops are just trying to do their job. So um, Zimmerman did mess up, though. He was told by the – when he called 911 to report – um, Trayvon, he was told to stay in the SUV that he was in and he did not do so. And he ends up shooting in self-defense, um, allegedly at least by Zimmerman. And this one is such an interesting story because there's just not much evidence. It was so much, um, just complete, uh, testimonial evidence. So it was just his word versus, um, Trayvon's word and Trayvon was dead. So, there was not really any witnesses as far as I think there might have been a witness for George Zimmerman, but the article that I read from CNN did not sh- mention it, which might have been on purpose. But the police report and the actual evidence, um, the forensic evidence, showed that Zimmerman was bleeding from the back of the head and nose, had a broken nose. Um, so Zimmerman basically said that. I don't know what happened up to this point, but he ended up in an altercation with Trayvon, and Trayvon was on top of him, smashing his head into the pavement and had broken his nose. So the evidence, so what George Zimmerman's case was, is that it was a shooting in self-defense. And he was able to show with evidence and testimony, both his testimony and the forensic evidence, as well as the police investigation, all found that there was enough evidence support to support that the shooting was in self-defense. So, and the reason that George Zimmerman was acquitted is because there was no evidence for Trayvon Martin um, to show that the self-defense was not true. So, in the legal field, it is the state's, um, state has the burden to prove someone is guilty. So, George Zimmerman was on trial, and they had to prove that he was guilty, beyond a reasonable doubt. Now, George Zimmerman had an affirmative defense, which was that the shooting was in self-defense. And he was able to meet the burden because as a defendant, if you were, if you have an affirmative defense, you do have to prove that defense. You can't just say, oh, no, I had, it was a justified shooting because, you know, whatever. And they found that he was able to prove it because he had sufficient evidence. It wasn't great, it wasn't perfect evidence, but it was good enough to establish that self-defense was, in fact, um, a thing, and the prosecution could have rebutted that by showing evidence that what Zimmerman was saying was not true, or that the circumstantial evidence was not strong enough, and they were not able to do so. So legally speaking, they made the right decision, and George Zimmerman was acquitted. But if I was a big la- Black Lives Matter guy, and I I think Trayvon Martin, there's a decent case here to be made that that shouldn't have happened. I mean, the kid was 17. 
And George Zimmerman's like a 30-year-old guy, and he, he trying to be like a superhero because like why are you the captain of the neighborhood watch? And then you were told by the police after you did your job, your job is just to call the cops basically if you're on neighborhood watch. And then you did not listen. You completely disobeyed them and went and got into a fight and got your butt kicked by a 17-year-old. Um, and then you ended up shooting the guy. Like, I, if, if Trayvon Martin was my kid and I, he wouldn't be out at, that late at night and doing looking suspicious and all that, but I, I would be upset. I would be incredibly upset and be like, why would you even? He's not suspicious. He's just walking around. He's doing nothing wrong. Should have been left alone. He wasn't left alone. But, guys, in all these scenarios, regardless of how the actual um, escalation of the event, I don't know how to say it, but however the actual um, fight basically occurs between these officers or these George Zimmermans or these whoever and these, um, m- these black males who end up being used by the Black Lives, Ladder, black Lives Matter movement... Um, it can all be avoided because even if you can't avoid upcoming to the actual fight, there's no reason to be fighting. Like just Eric Garner, if you had just um, been like, all right, guys, arrest me for the millionth time, and you wouldn't have gotten choked. Um, if you were Michael Brown, if you didn't steal some stuff and then try to attack the police officer, you wouldn't have got shot. Just comply. And uh, Trayvon Martin, that case, like I said, is arguable either way, but if he had not been beating the shiz out of George Zimmerman, assuming that Zimmerman didn't like attack him or something first, because that is a possibility, but unlikely one, um, then he would probably still be alive as well. But um, yeah, so that those are like the three main cases that the Black Lives Matter um, really relied on. And I feel like there was another one I'm missing, but if you guys can just message me if I missed an important one. And maybe that one will be an actual true case of police um, oppression. But even if they, if there is, there's always going to be a couple cases that show, you know, a wrongful shooting of a white officer shooting a black um, victim. Uh, there's actually much more white victims that are shot by police than um, black victims, as I discussed earlier. But we never hear about it because the media has an interest and they want to just um, cover the stories that really paint the narrative that they want people to see America as, as a racist, bigoted, no good, only helps whites, white supremacy, BS nation. Um, but yeah, let's, that's plenty on that, um, now that I've taken up the whole episode. <laughs> so moving on to Ilhan Omar and Risha Tlaib being barred from entry into Israel. So they both applied for their visas to go over there and they say that they were going over there to talk with Israel, um, talk with representatives, um, you know, to find some middle ground and to um, represent their country, whatever, well, which they say is America, but, you know, it's arguably other places. Um, but just to show you how political they are, it has nothing to do with finding middle ground. Um, both of their visas, they had applied to visit Palestine. There is no Palestine legally speaking, so they are already making a statement saying that they don't believe in Israel's right to exist, that they wanted to visit Palestine, not Israel. And then they were asked to submit a um, schedule of what they were going to do on their visit, and they had not one scheduled meeting with any representatives or any Israelis, and in fact, all on their schedule was for them to um, have speak at different movements, and basically they were just going to be 
advocating for the boycott of Israel within Israel. So Israel was within their right. Um, you can argue either way whether it was a right decision politically, but they were well within their rights to not allow them entry. And then good old Talib applied for a human humanitarian visa, saying that she wanted to visit her dying grandmother. Oh, sob story, you know. Oh, maybe she's being real about it. Or is it just, you know, the same old BS emotional <laughs> good story for the Democrats that Tlaib is going to use? And, of course, it was all political. She didn't actually give a shiz about her grandma because Israel quickly um, approved her humanitarian visa to visit her grandma, and to which she immediately and obnoxiously at that denied and said, no, I'm not going because Israel... It's like, why did you even apply then if you... <laughs> want to see your grandma, then um, obviously her hatred of is um, Jew Jewish people outweighs her love for her dying grandmother. But yes, and Trump, I don't know if anyone saw, but he actually tweeted, it was a pretty savage tweet. Um, he said the only winner in this situation was was uh, Risha Tlaib's grandmother because now she doesn't have to see <laughs> Tlaib. <laughs> It's hard not to like the guy sometimes. Come on. I mean, I know he's the president. He shouldn't be tweeting stuff like that. But come on. Let the man just uh, go crazy on Twitter, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much all I wanted to say about that. That was just a, you know, giant political um, move on Omar and Tlaib's part. But, yeah, they don't, it's all they hate Israel. They hate the Jewish people in general. And, yeah, they um, it's all about politics. It's all about the look. Democrats, they only care about that emotional story that's really going to grab the um, somewhat interested but not really um, know what's going on readers, the people, you know, out there, most liberals in general, the ones who, you know, they, they care about people, and I think it comes from a good place, most of them, but they just don't know the actual story, and since the media is heavily, heavily left-leaning, they get to control the narrative most of the times because they just have more viewers and more readers. So, come on, guys, educate yourselves. Um, Get your facts from stories from both sources and the facts that overlap. That's the truth. So moving on to the last story of the day, the New York Times. So Dean Baquette is the executive editor of the New York Times. And he they actually had an internal town hall meeting recently. And the actual transcript of the meeting, as well as some um, other um, evidence, was leaked to the press and during this meeting, so the New York Times, one of the biggest, you know, um, apparently they're failing, according to Trump, but you know, one of the biggest newspapers um, in, in the history of the, our country, really, um, the, one of the biggest hallmark free speech cases is from New York Times, New York Times versus Sullivan. I've talked about it on one of my first episodes, but not to get bogged down in that. So the New York Times, um, Dean Baquette, Basically, they're having their big meeting about how um, the next couple of years is going to go. And they literally are talking about how they're going to shift the focus for the next two years. It's like, your job is to report the news. But apparently, no. Since journalism means so much more than just reporting the news nowadays, they have to talk about and have a meeting about what their narrative or what their vision is going to be for the next two years. Um, <laughs> I'll give you some actual quotes here in a minute, but... Um, paraphrasing, the, Dean Baquette says that uh, the Mueller report, you know, after it came out, we did such a good job on the Russia collusion story for, you know, two years. And we got the we won a Pulitzer or two, and we just did such a good job reporting. But then the actual Mueller report came out, and, and Mueller testified. 
Um, then we, a lot of us and a lot of our readers were like, whoa, he's actually not going to take down Trump. Um, so what are we going to do? Uh, well, we need to now shift our focus because we need to get rid, we need to get rid of the idea that the Russia collusion story is ever going to happen. He like basically admits that it was just the narrative that they were trying to use to get Trump impeached or removed. And now that they need to shift their focus and just focus solely on Trump's racism. Um, so here's a couple actual quotes. Um, our readers, this is from Dean Becca, the executive editor. Our readers thought, holy shit, he's not going to do it. <laughs> now I, um, this is regarding Mueller. Our readers thought, holy shit, he's not going to do it. And now I think the story has changed. <laughs> the story. See, it's, it's not the news, it's the story. The story that the New York Times is going to narrate and tell you. So the, this is more, um, this is paraphrasing Dean Beckett, but our vision for the coverage for the next two years, how will we be able to cover race in a thoughtful way while still covering policy issues and et cetera from this administration? So basically he just wants to tie race into everything and just talk about how racist the country is and how America was founded on white, white supremacy, et cetera, while also just covering actual news, like policy decisions and what's going on. Speaking of which, I don't know if anyone heard, but I, on Fox this morning, the Flores settlement, which is the um, law, basically, that was allowing for catch and release, <coughs> the, the Ninth Circuit decision, it was a Flores settlement, that said people are, are, um, can only be held detained, families can only be detained with their kids for like 20 days or whatever, which is not long enough to go through the legal proceedings in immigration. So that's why catch and release was a thing because you could only hold them for 20 days and then release them. But the Flores settlement is now being um, overruled or you know it's being um, taken out by Trump. I don't know if it's via executive order. I would imagine that's what it is. But yeah, no, no more Flores. So that's a huge win for immigration in this country. So now people can be held and the left is going to lie and say indefinitely. They can be held as long as, you know, forever. Not true. It's only going to be like um, 30 or 40 more days now, which is in total people can be held like 50 to 60 days, which is enough time to get them in front of a judge and actually have legal proceedings, due process, go through, see if their claims are, are legit or see if they're just, um, you know, if these kids are just random kids and they're just trying to sneak into the country which is uh, literally, um, I just heard on Fox from the actual commissioner of the Border Patrol uh, that ever since the Flores Agreement, as he suggested to the court at the time the Flores Settlement was um, agreed to, that illegal immigration was going to skyrocket and uh, because people were just going to start grabbing random kids and coming over because that's their, their, their ticket, right, to America, just grab you a kid. And, of course, he was right. It literally quadrupled like in the year after and uh, this year has been crazy as far as we literally have already had over a million um, illegals sneak into the country. It's, we just don't have the, the sources, the funds to um, handle the issue, and the Democrats are just going to keep dragging their feet and calling us racist while Republicans are actually trying to solve the problem. At least some of the Republicans are trying to solve the problem. So, um, yeah, New York Times, super, um, we already knew that there were fake news and that they had their own agenda, but literally admitting it and we um yeah that's that's how we know it's true and fake news is not just some slogan that trump made up it is actually what we have going on in our country and i don't expect anything to happen of it i don't expect um the law to change and uh suppression of speech because that scares me but we need more people on the right to stand up we need better news sources we need um, more news sources that are gonna at least 
um, level the playing field out there, which is, uh, hey, that's why I'm here doing this. But um, so I just want to further mention that I did read all the quotes from Dean Beckett and yes, you can take it in different ways. I, I want to give you some actual context. It does sound to me like all of his quotes, all the things he was saying, it was more of a pep talk for the next two years. Not so much, not so much as a actually saying, okay, guys, we're going to need to, you know, lie and this is going to be our narrative and this is how all of our stories are going to be. It sounds more like he's trying to get everyone amped up and be like, we're, this is how we're going to, um, how are we going to do this? I need everyone's help to pitch in to um, r- report the news. But um, <laughs> he obviously does it in a very biased way. But I just try, I'm trying to be objective here and it can be construed as him just giving a, a big pep talk and don't really read into the actual quotes as much. Don't, don't just um, do what everyone on the right's doing and saying, oh yeah, he's definitely saying that they're going to lie and just paint every story to be in their favor. But uh, I think there's um, both sides of that argument can um, have merit. So that's um, pretty much all I wanted to say. Oh, another thing, just a little quick snippet on the New York Times. So after the El Paso mass shooting that I discussed in the last episode, uh, the New York Times actually changed their headlines because, um, you know, of the woke crowd uh, was going to boycott them. But their original headlines read after um, Trump went down to El Paso and spoke, the headlines were accurate for once and said Trump urges unity versus racism because Trump did go down and condemn white supremacy, condemn racism in general and hatred and say that we need to unite together as a country. Um, and they had to change that that original headline from Trump urges unity versus racism, which was accurate, to the, the new headline, which read assailing hate but not guns. <laughs> That's so pathetic. Like you've got to throw in a little, um, you know, a little slogan for the left in there. Like, but he may have assailed hate, but not guns, which is the real issue. Yeah, I'm not even going to get into the, the gun issue, but good Lord, that's, it's just sad to see um, that people bend the knee to the woke crowd so often nowadays. Like, we need more corporations to nut up and say, get off my back, and people on the right are going to have to start putting their money where their mouth is like people on the left do and start being crazy and boycotting them. Um, Businesses like Starbucks and crazy left-leaning um, corporations, we're going to have to start not spending our money there because that's what people on the left are good at doing, and that's what people on the right are not good at doing. Because um, as a philosophical matter, I don't believe that's the right thing to do is because you can't just paint a giant an entire corporation as being a certain way politically. Um, but, and most people on the right generally just want to buy the best services and the best products regardless of political affiliations. But... This is the world we live in now in 2019 because life is so good that we don't have anything else to talk about except our political differences. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's pretty much um, all I wanted to talk about as far as the issues go. So now, our last clip of the day. Now, this clip comes from you courtesy of Mindy Robinson and the Red, White, and FU. Their slogan is unapologetically patriotic. But yeah, this is, a, I think this is Mindy, um, or just, um, she just posted it, and this is a, some actress who is giving her best AOC impression, so um, just listen to this. Hey, Seth, welcome back. All right, well, thank you. So are you excited about the holidays? Excited? I'm repulsed, Seth. 
All this commercialism around Christmas, it's an outrage. It's a tragedy. It's like, <laughs> what are we even doing? And like, why? And like, don't. Now you really seem like you're in the Christmas spirit. You mean the Christmas spirit? Oh, right. You don't care about Jesus because you worship Hallmark. Oh, boy. <laughs> you need to wake up and smell the music, Seth. There are homeless people out there who can't even pay their mortgages. <laughs> Is that what George Washington had in mind when he started America? It's like, read something, Seth. Learn a book. For every five people who are hungry, there are five people who are too full. It's like, switch stomachs. And fact, for every four men, there are two women. And that's just supposed to be acceptable? No. We need bipartisan ships. Bipartisan ships? Like ships that are bipartisan? Like ships that are bipartisan? <laughs> Like ships that are bipartisan? <laughs> that's good stuff. But that's all I have for today, and as always, feel free to disagree.